Welcome to futureofuschinatrade.com. I'm Molly Castellazzo, and I'm joined by one of our expert commentators, Ed Prescott. Ed is an economics professor at the W.P. Carey School of Business at Arizona State University and a senior monetary advisor at the Federal Reserve Bank in Minneapolis. In 2004, he received the Nobel Prize in Economics. We're talking today about economic openness as a positive-sum game, the role of multinational corporations, and the importance of technology transfer. Now to my telephone discussion with Ed. Ed? Yes? It's Molly Castellazzo. How are you? Okay, busy as can be. Do you have a few minutes that we can talk about U.S.-China trade? Yes. What would you like to know? Well, in your email, you said that you're an open man versus, which is a little bit different than free trade. And what do you mean by that? Economists have been, most of the economists are exploring that. And they, they're hoping to get the big gains from a, a part of openness is free trade, but I emphasize part. Um, it's more important, I think, than what the multinationals do. GM locating in uh, the our technology can be used there. Most of the value added goes to the Chinese, and they have a big demand for cars. Um, we get some rents on this. The Japan, I, when I go to China, I tell them the, the leaders to uh, have their multinationals invest abroad. As you know, they've taken over the in the solar panels for left uh, Germany in the dust. Mm-hmm. And on those big wind turbines, they moved to the uh, preeminence. Minnesota's pretty big in the wind turbines production. Um, openness means that you, that the know-how that, that we call a technology capital can be used in other countries uh, that, if, that are open to it being used. And it's got to be a two-way street. Uh, or else there'll be expropriation, and people will not make the uh, the investment. This is the foreign direct investment. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, I said that uh, the trade people have been quantifying what gains there are from it. If you calibrate the models, then there's about three different theories. One, the more they call it Hexerlin, uh, different factor endowments. Uh, they have a lot of unskilled people over there and and you want to have them produce the goods that are uh, unskilled labor intensive and if we have a lot of skilled workers we produce the ones that are skilled attempt intensive but right. that doesn't when they figure out what the gains from that it turns out to be a tiny number people want to get a big number but they are frustrated or most economists want to get a big number but a small number comes out um, the second thing is David Ricardo Comparative mm-hmm. advantage. Uh, David Ricardo was is the great classical economist. He was Portuguese, but he operated in uh, England. The, the England had a, Scotland comparative advantage in wool and uh, wool clothes, uh, right. and um, Portugal in producing wine. I think so. The you can, but there's been a class of models that. That's come back tied in with some of the, uh, but they turn out if you calibrate to the same, uh, or if you restrict your model to be consistent with the trade flows, that also gives us small gains from free trade. But then there's the increasing returns to scale people, Krugman, 
mm-hmm. uh, who is a static. He doesn't know any dynamics. Uh, never contributed to macro. Uh, but this is a in his use of the Dixit Stiglitz monopolistic competition to explore the uh, potential gains uh, from increasing returns. Uh, well, that turned out to be small. So you need something else. And the uh, answer is that with this openness, you have diffusion of knowledge. You learn from uh, other people that are operating within your country. When you set up your operations abroad, you learn from them. When I was in Korea, I talked to the head of the uh, Samsung um, Electronics. I gave a big talk there. Uh, and there was a couple other ones that visit. And I asked them where they set up their multinationals. They set it up in Helsinki and Austin, Texas. All right. You know why? Of Helsinki, that's where they make Naoki. <laughs> Naoki's located, which is big in Austin, Texas. That's where Dell is. So they the technology diffusion. They learn, and uh, they got to be close to what's going on. And now the Chinese are developing their. So I want them over there. I said they got to develop their become more higher technology. Right. And this is a big positive sum game, because we benefit from the technology they develop and use in the U.S. and as well as they do, and we benefit from the technology we develop in our country, and and they benefit, like the GM example I used. This is direct foreign investment Mm -hmm. through the multinationals. As you know, the corporations, I'm not talking about the small corporation, the Schedule S, but the Schedule C, Mm -hmm. um, over uh, 35% of their accounting profits come from their wholly owned foreign subsidiaries. And that about 10% of their assets are over there. They're getting rents on the uh, U.S. know-how. U.S.'s brand names are valuable. Cheerios, uh, let's see, brand names such as, uh, well, Kentucky Fried Chicken is big in uh, China. Mm-hmm. You see the Starbucks there. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. But also, Microsoft has gone in there with the high, with their with our know-how uh there's a lot of copying and stealing, but th- they get a return on 20% of it. When I was over there, I talked to the uh, prime minister, uh, when Giabo, that was in the this Nobel Forum in 2005. We agreed that openness is great. Uh, and I, when Bill Gates went over there, he didn't know about that. <laughs> and, uh, and the Chinese did not buy, but then he learned and went back. And yeah, China was the leader up until about the... 15th century, and that's when uh, they closed and became uh, a little bit later. A few little Portuguese uh, developed better cannons and caught up in the shipping. They sort of stamped out their shipping. They got centralized, and they wanted authority and control. We're centralizing, and that's why the U.S. is being depressed. What do you say, then, to people who cite examples of, of sort of unopened behavior in China? For example, their you know, they have domestic content mandates in some areas. Or, you know, some people say that China has been open to these to foreign direct investment in order to steal technology. Well, the people going in there are making a lot of money. By the way, ASU is one of the pioneers in setting up a business school over there. Uh-huh. And that permits us to pull out the money. Uh, they have some currency exchange limits. Um the richer they get, the better it is for us. Their wage rates are going up quite rapidly, and it's spreading from the rich 
coastal cities throughout the into the manufacturing. In September, I'll be talking in one of those, besides Shanghai, Chengdu, which is a manufacturing city. In uh-huh. um, even uh, inner Mongolia, Mongolia, there's outer Mongolia and inner. Inner is a province of China. Uh, the wage rates are starting to go up there. In China, the, the coastal operations, setting up their operations where the wages are lower and then the wages are coming up. The, they have a no shortage of wants over there. Uh, this trade game is uh, the problem is how to sustain the cooperation. There's these big mutual gains from um, a lot of there's multinationals. The U.S. used to be very closed in the 60s when we were propping up our currency. Mm-hmm. Um, during the uh, United States, that was during the uh, Bret Bret Woods era. But then we then we heck in World War One we we expropriated foreign businesses not only the Germans but the some British who are our, our allies. Uh, but then in 1976 they changed the law that said the president can't seize title. Mm-hmm. They can seize, but they can't seize the use, but not title. And we eased up a little bit in the application of U.S. law to if somebody had set up an operation in the U.S., it was suddenly they're subject to all the uh, U.S. laws on their operations throughout the world. Uh, that they were scared, and, but then that changed, and then they start, they've been investing heavily in the United States. The steel the, uh, from uh, Brazil, the cement from uh, Mexico. Um, I mentioned that battery place up in Michigan from Korea. The I forget exactly what that manufacturing plant is in South Carolina, which uh, the Chinese are setting up. But interaction, people learn from you and you learn from them. Uh, and both, and it's best when both groups come out ahead. We want to set up nice positive games. It isn't a... It, in the Great Depression, the U.S. Hawley-Smoot tariffs virtually shut down trade. This in a beggar your neighbor policy set in, and this was a major contributor, most people think, to the uh, depressed. We do find that uh, once an industry is subject to foreign competition, it gets more productive. It produces more output per unit input. Income goes up because input is claim against output. You have more output, you have more income from the same input. That's Inputs, the two most important input, of course, is uh, human capital, the services of people with different skills. But also of importance is this know-how, and uh, that's a form of intangible capital, uh, and physical capital, tangible capital, which you can touch. Uh, In the 50s, the U.S. was really worried about the recovery of Europe. It's going to create massive unemployment. That's why Kennedy set up all his manpower training programs and the like. Um, Those manpower training programs were a total disaster. I was in that business of evaluating them. As a Brooking Economic Policy Fellow in 69-70. But what happened in the U.S.? Europe recovering was great for the U.S. The 60s was one of an extremely rapid growth period. Um, Then Europe and U.S. was worried about Japan. Japan's development and catch-up was great for the Europe and uh, U.S. 
you know, oh, Brazil, Bacro, I was just down there. They developed the energy-efficient compressors to, in refrigerators and freezers and things of this sort. They cut the electricity use in half. So you're benefiting a lot from uh, the Brazilians in Santa Catarina, um, that state that is, uh, that's on the coast a bit southeast of uh, Sao Paulo. And by the way, they went in big into China and set up their operations. But as China gets more and more integrated, the amount of um, software that uh, Microsoft gets paid for, that percent has been going up. Uh, once you get involved with the games and they, and you get dependent upon the, you got to play by the rules. And uh, if you steal uh, foreign capital, then they, people will steal your foreign capital. That's why China's smart getting uh, investments abroad. Right. Um, I that's what I always advise them to do. Become integrated. Stay open. 